what it sounded like on Saturday night in Tel Aviv as over 100,000 protesters marched for the eighth week in a row against the judicial reforms now making their way through Israel's Knesset. 21 people were arrested for blocking a major highway, while others attracted a lot of attention for coming dressed in white hats and red capes, like the characters in Canadian author Margaret Atwood's books The Handmaid's Tale, about a dystopian authoritarian state called Gilead. Canadian billionaire philanthropist Charles Brompton wasn't among the protesters this weekend for health reasons. At 91 years old, he can't travel to Israel as easily these days. But Bronfman was watching the situation in Israel closely and doing his protesting with words in the form of an open letter he signed to Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, together with 15 major Jewish donors from North America. Although Bronfman's name sits at the top of the list, he insists he didn't write the letter, he just signed it, and he won't say who sent it to him. All told, These men and women have probably contributed millions and millions to Israel over the years. And you'll recognize some of the names. Daniel Lubetsky, who founded the Kind Energy Bar Company, Marsha Rickless, and Bronfman's own extended family's charitable foundation run by his nephew, Adam. I just think that uh, those of us who have a stake in Israel and who feel that the country, the Zionist enterprise, is in danger had to come out and say something. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, February the 27th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia, and coming to you from Toronto. I just landed, and I'm back from sunny Florida. This isn't the first time that Charles Bronfman has spoken publicly about the direction which an Israeli government has taken when it's been run by Benjamin Netanyahu. In fact, five years ago, in 2018, Bronfman slammed that incarnation of the government of the day for passing the so-called nation-state law, which downgraded Arabic to just special status from being an official language in Israel. It also made Israel officially the homeland of the Jewish people and encouraged Jewish settlements. The High Court has since ruled that that law was fine and not unconstitutional. So fast forward to today, and Netanyahu is back in power with a coalition of right-wing religious Zionists who last week gave first reading to new laws that will give the Knesset more power over who gets appointed as judges and other judicial reforms which critics worry will curtail the independence of the Israeli High Court and take away checks and balances on lawmakers. The open letter from the philanthropists is calling for these changes to be done slowly and carefully and only after a broad national dialogue, or they risk causing rifts inside Israel, between Jews and with Arabs and outside with the diaspora. Charles Bronfman joins me now from Palm Beach, Florida, to explain why he's speaking out. Welcome back to the CJN Daily. Glad to be here. Your letter, your open letter that was sent recently to the Israeli prime minister and the leader. So let's talk about that. Why did you feel you needed to weigh in on this in a public way? I think sometimes when you feel very strongly about something and it is in your purview, uh, you should say something about it. I, uh, other colleagues and friends uh, joined in signing that letter. I was not a unique signer. Uh, there are many, many people from many walks of life and many countries, both in the diaspora and, of course, Israel itself, who are strident in uh, their objection to what's going on. Right. And there were 
legal scholars, Supreme Court justices, federations of North America, religious groups. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Israelis. What impact do you think you speaking out will have on the on the government and on Netanyahu? I think that it's an uh, accumulation of things that eventually will wear them down. And I think that the protests, the continued protests, can have an effect. Uh, you know, it's a called a democracy. I just saw this morning that there was a, a new poll taken. And if there was an election today, the opposition would become the government and the government would become the opposition. So things would change all around. That shows the way Israelis are thinking. Are you hoping for a regime change or would you like for stability of the country that it stays the way it is, except that they back off on their policies? One thing I can't do is get into politics. I can get into things that are good or bad for the country, but I can't get into politics. The letter is signed by 15 wealthy wealthy uh, philanthropists and lovers of Israel. We've got uh, sports teams owners and uh, the kind bar inventor and, and all kinds of people. But it starts with the Bronfman name. How did you collect these people? What was your process of getting them to come on board with actually, you? Actually, I didn't. This came from uh, somewhere else, and I'm not at liberty to say where else. Uh, I was contacted, Jeff Solomon was contacted, and those who signed the letter were all contacted. Yeah, two of them by me, but all the others were contacted by this other organization. It sounds very um, mysterious and perhaps conspiracy to say you can't say who told you, but you signed on. Can you at all share whether it came from inside Israel or outside Israel? Outside Israel. But they were Jews. <laughs> We were contacted by the Israeli government spokesman uh, two weeks ago and asked if we would do an interview with the Canadian MK, Daniel Alouz, who's in the Likud, and he's sort of the, the diaspora voice. And I did the interview with him. Uh, to, you know, He shared the party line about why he thought this was all good for Israel. His theory is that it's good for business too, because then having reforms where the judiciary doesn't overturn or miss different interpretations of laws is good for business because it, it gives clarity. And I asked him, how can that be? Wouldn't you be facing boycotts or businesses that don't want to do business in Israel because of the situation? So I want to hear your opinion about this. Uncertainty is always bad for this. People don't like uncertainty. And you're going to have uncertainty for some time until this whole issue plays out. And we don't know how it's going to play out. And there's a battle going on, and we're right now at the beginning of the battle. And uh, I don't know, you don't know, nobody knows how it's going to turn out. Right, but in terms of what he said, that it'll be better for Israel when the judiciary has doesn't overturn what, what the, the legislature does, it'll be better. Clarity is better. And he thought this reforms were a good thing. So how do you see that? Well, well there's, there's, uh, I am not a student. I know a fair amount about... Uh, the uh, high court in Israel, but I am not a student. I believe that it probably has, uh, like in all well-intended things, gone a little bit too far. It probably needs to have some reforms onto it. And you've got a, a difficult situation in Israel because, as you well know, there is no constitution. So what are the rights and freedoms, as we would say in Canada, uh, that the people, the citizens of Israel have? 
and the residents of Israel have. And that is uh, what the the uh, Supreme Court or the High Court should be zeroing in on. But there isn't a constitution. There's also, as you know, a unicameral situation, not a bicameral. So the legislature and the executive are really the same as they are in Canada in, in, uh, in parliamentary uh, uh, government. But we have a bicameral situation. We also have a constitution. We also have a very good Supreme Court. And I believe it's being chosen in a, uh, the members are being chosen now in a more democratic way. Nothing is perfect. And the Supreme Court in Israel, the High Court, whatever you want to call it, is not perfect. But it's been damn good. Very, very good. And I remember in some of the very difficult days, uh, thank goodness for the, that court, because uh, it, it did yeoman service. Give me an example that sticks out to you. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. So I said, in the middle of talking, I said, oh, why are you saying this? Because you can't give an example. I really can't give an example, but I remember. I remember being very pleased that the Supreme Court did step in on important things. They're going to be ruling on uh, prayer at the Western Wall for um, non-Orthodox observance. You were talking mostly about the reforms, though, in this letter for the judiciary and the Supreme Court. But what about some of the other things that the Netanyahu uh, coalition is wanting to do? How does how does your group feel about those rights, those issues? Well, we're not a group. I'm me. Uh, so I speak for me. I didn't even write that letter. The letter was, was sent around to a number of people, and some of us said, yes, it's a good letter. We'll sign on to it. So I don't know which, which other things you're talking about. Well, no, in the letter, it speaks specifically about reforms to the judiciary. But personally, how would you how do you see whether, for example, today they just extended um, control, government control, not just military rule, but government rule, legislative rule over some areas of the West Bank and gave it to Batsalo Smotrich to to run um, Western Wall rights for non-Orthodox observance. Are these things also bothering you or you're just specifically worried about the judicial part? Of course they bother me. And this, uh, right, what we're looking at now is a test case. And one has to wonder why the coalition decided to put a big foot forward rather than come in slowly with little things. Maybe it's better that they did because we, we will see what happens right now. So as a philanthropist, and philanthropists on this list have given hundreds of millions and maybe even billion dollars to Israel. Will you be curtailing that? Will there be sanctions? Will there be any kind of teeth that you're going to put into this letter as far as donations to Israel? I think that we're protesting. And that's about it right now. Whatever I'm doing in Israel has a lot of government support, mainly with birthright Israel. Uh, and we'll keep on with Birthright Israel until the cows come home. Uh, and I will keep on with my other involvements in Israel. Uh, I love the Israeli people. I think, you know, we get into one of these jams like we're in now, and we sometimes forget what the heck Israel has done in 75 years. This is an amazing country. And if the Jews of the world don't support it and don't unite behind it, then we're missing a huge bet. So, you know, I, I have to think as an optimist 
that all this is temporary, that we'll win the day, that people will come to their senses and all will be well. And I know that's a lot of wishful thinking, but uh, no, I, I would not say I'm not giving to Israel anymore. I'm not giving to the government of Israel. The government of Israel is giving to us in the diaspora for birthright. And it, by the way, it's very good for them. They make money on the deal. How? The taxes that are paid by the institutions. So you get you get uh, 30, 40,000 uh, young, young adults coming to Israel. You've got hotels to make money. You've got the restaurants. You've got uh, tourist attractions, all kinds of things. I want to go back to where we started, which was the letter and your concerns about Israel. Have You personally have met Prime Minister Netanyahu, I'm sure. Yes. Have you actually picked up the phone since he's reelected to speak with him directly about your concerns? No. Are you planning to? No. I'll tell you why. It, it, it wouldn't do any good. I mean, in the first place, Bibi knows I've never been a, a, a Likudnik. We're cordial with each other, but that's about it. Uh, and he knows that I prefer other political parties to his. So uh, an opposition person speaking to him uh, wouldn't do a heck of a lot of good. The people who have spoken, I know they're supposed to do, are his own people, the Kurdish followers. And I don't know how many of those have. I don't know how many inside, how many Israel business people have or philanthropists. I don't, I, I'm really in the dark about that. I'm not going to be terribly active except in signing something. But this is the first time I've actually ever seen you do something like this in the last, well, I've only covered it for two years, but it seems like this is a bit of a stretch even for you to go out and public, right? So what thought process went through your mind in order for you to do this? Keeping it to yourself doesn't do anybody any good, including yourself. And uh, I hope that other philanthropists, I hope that the whole damn Jewish people get on their horse and, and say this is, bad for all of us, because it is. I mean, they, they want to change the law of return. And you can't do that. You know, it would drive a, a nail right through the heart of the, the diaspora. What I understand about that is that it's not going to affect people who were born Jewish. It was only going to affect people who were not born Jewish or had very, very little Jewish, even, you know, like the Ukrainians, for example, who have no desire to become Jewish, which just had an old ancestor. So, I mean, the if you read about that, it's it's a small percentage. It's not a, a not, it's not nothing, but it is a small percentage. Yeah, but it's the opening of the door. He said that that's the way the Nazis decided who was Jewish. If it's good enough for the Nazis, it's good enough for Israel. You just said something I want to end on and ask you more about, please, that it could be the end of the uh, danger to the Zionist dream. Do you really believe that that is, those are pretty strong words. I guess you have to say, how serious is, is the threat? Look, Israel will live one way or the other. But will it, the Zionist dream was something very different than what these people are now talking about. Either you go along with what I think is the most important document in the Jewish world today, which is the uh, Declaration of Independence. That is a brilliant document. That should be, in my view, the basis of what the Zionist dream really, really is. And it's not to be a, a masters over other people. 
It's to be a, a liberal, democratic, Jewish state with room for all and understanding and, and uh, rights and privileges for all. Now, I wish they only had our rights and freedoms, but they don't. Have you had any reaction to yes. the letter? I'd like to hear what people have said to you or have you heard? Well, a lot of people have been, uh, I, I was surprised. In the first place, I didn't know it would be pub- published by JTA. Uh, I had no idea. And I did make a couple of phone calls to other people who signed. But I was very surprised and still am because every day I get letters from friends and, and colleagues who are very grateful that I wrote, I signed the letter. And uh, thanks God. So I'm glad I did it. I'm glad that other people are doing it. I, I am not going to be up front. I'm not on the front lines of all this. The Israelis have to be and are. And I hope and pray that uh, this business gets over with and that we get on with the startup nation because it is a great nation with great people doing great things. Bronfman's open letter came ahead of a violent weekend in the West Bank. Israeli settlers went on a rampage in the Palestinian town of Huwara on Sunday. They burned homes and cars of the Palestinians in retaliation for a shooting incident earlier by a Palestinian gunman that killed two Israeli brothers there. Their car was riddled with bullets as the yeshiva students were driving through the Arab community towards their home in Har Bracha, which is near Nablus. Prime Minister Netanyahu has urged settlers not to take matters into their own hands. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Dr. Paul Monk of Toronto, who wrote in, His late brother was well-known business mogul Peter Monk. And I'll end the episode with a note that we are doing a lot of reporting on the political developments in Israel under the new government. And you should know that we're trying to present balanced coverage. So we've had both progressive and centrist Jewish groups on. Last week, we had Dan Luz, the Israeli-Canadian member of the Knesset from the Likud party. And we had Bronfman today. So I welcome your thoughts on Bronfman's interview today. Get in touch. I'm at ebessner at the CJN. 